0: in the door? Does anybody not have that? Okay. Um, All right. Most of you were not paying attention when you came in the door. (laughs) Uh, Can we have Michael out in the foyer bring that? Oh, you got it, Lynn Mary. Okay. Oh yeah, because Lynn Mary was going to remind you guys. Now, if you're like me, if you have this in your hand during service, you're going to um, have it torn apart and you're going to lose the bread. So put it somewhere that you don't touch it. But we're going to be doing that at the end of the service. I'm going to do this a little different this morning, how, how we're going to look at this. I want, to, I, want to, I want to break this down quite a bit and really help us to process this uh, a lot, okay? Um, put your hand back up if you need this. They're passing them out. Okay. You guys really should look when you come in the door. <laughs> This is the reason. A little while ago, a few months ago, I'm saying, I I was reading an article, and I I read this stuff, and I studied this stuff regularly, trying to look at who we are as the body of Christ. What are are we trying to accomplish? These are are very important things to me. Obviously, I've been talking a lot about us as the body of Christ. We've got to take, I'm saying specifically in America, we've got to take more responsibility for the kingdom. Personally, personally own this. And so in processing this, I was looking at... um, I was looking at these um, this article, and it was talking about some of the trends in church life. And it talked about a bunch of stuff. But when it came to uh, the trends having to do specifically with what is being uh, spoken, uh, preached, spoken, and taught within the church setting, there was there was a lot of stuff about this that was it was discouraging, but also kind of confusing. I really the, the some of this stuff just doesn't connect for me. But talking about percentage-wise of stuff and relating it to 20 years ago, uh, the, the, the amount of times that um, the churches talk about things like the cross, the cross of Jesus, um, that's gone down a little bit over the last 20 years. But when you put it within specifically within certain contexts, like the cross in relationship to uh, the blood of Jesus it has gone down astronomically, statistically, the amount of churches that preach about the blood of Jesus Christ. And it gave some reasons for that, discussed that. It talked about that sin is discussed very rarely uh, statistically in churches across the nation today. and uh, it, But it sometimes it'll talk about uh, Churchill's talk about things of freedom, and they, they break this down a lot more than I'm going to do this morning, but talking about freedom and things like that, but they don't relate it specifically to sin. It's more of like an emotional or a mental freedom or something along those lines. And just processing this, I, I really get a little... It's, it's discouraging when you read it on the topical, and you say, well, shouldn't we be about that? But here's the part that gets a little confusing to me. The reason I think this is what I believe... The reason that we are in this room right now is because Jesus died on the cross. It's not because we thought it would be nice to get together with some other people this morning. Although there's nothing wrong with that. That's good. Um, That's important. In fact, I've said this before. I'm more convinced um, now in in my stage of life, you know, mid-middle age, that, um, that people need to be together, that Christianity has to be... Worked out lived out in relationship with each other you can't live uh, for Jesus Christ as a lone ranger you can't it's it's scripturally it doesn't match you don 't see that anywhere in the Bible it has to be done as the body as a group as as together and so I believe in the relationship context but that's that's i don't believe that's why we're here this morning i don 't think we get together for church to um to raise money for missions. I, I think missions is extremely important. And that's what we've got to be about. But that's not what brought us here this morning. What What brought us here this morning isn't um, music. It's not the coffee shop. I, I don't think those things are, are you know, bad. Um, but, but somewhere, the, the defining thing... at least the way I see it, and the reason I keep saying the way I see it or the way I understand this is because I I don't know, if if churches are not talking about these subjects, sin and forgiveness and the blood of Jesus and the cross of Christ, then what are they talking about? Because I don't, I mean, I like to, to talk about stuff. I love to hear myself talk, don't get me wrong. But there's only so much I can say about and, and I have two degrees in leadership, but do you do you know I don't teach and preach about leadership very much? Because here's what I found out after two degrees of leadership: you can read probably two books and get it all. <laughs> you literally can. Because they're all redundant and they're all saying the same stuff. But it's amazing how we will go to seminars and pack out seminars on leadership to hear the exact same thing we packed out a seminar six months before to hear on leadership. But we didn't apply. We didn't do anything about it. So we come back. And it's just, and it's just human stuff about human things. You want to be successful in your business? Get on your face before God. You, you, God will show you what you need to do in your business. That's the best leadership training you can get. That's why I know this, is, this makes me a horrible person. I'm not a John Maxwell fan. I'm not. I've read and done it. You can't take leadership degrees unless you study him. And I'm thinking, John, you've got such a huge stage. Talk about Jesus more. Talk about Jesus. Talk about the cross. Talk about Jesus' blood forgiving you. You know, you know what makes you a better leader among people? Be covered with the blood of Jesus Christ. Be transformed by that blood and lead people the way Christ would lead them. It doesn't matter in what discipline or what arena of influence. It matters who you are in that, in that place. Let Jesus transform you and be amazed at how you can be who Christ has created you to be. Leaders, business owners, people doing certain things within context of society. You can be great at it if Jesus is your focus. Not if being great at that is your focus. Do you, do you understand the difference? And so the idea of the blood of Jesus and, and forgiveness, I, I just think, guys, this is what we are about. This is the point. Without this, we're, we're spinning our wheels. We're, we're, we're making a loud noise but accomplishing nothing. Right? That's my paraphrase of Shakespeare. First John chapter 1. The first thing about the blood of Jesus that are, I, 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 we're, I'm going to single this stuff out. It usually would we, we put it all in kind of a category together. But I'm going to single each one of these so that we can focus on them. The first thing about the blood of Jesus is that it cleanses us from sin. This this is so important. That this is we can't we will never be able to understand or even verbalize how important this is. That you can be cleansed from sin. I know what this feels like mentally, emotionally, physically. I know what it feels like physically to be forgiven of sin and cleansed of sin. I know what it, it feels like mentally and emotionally to, to know that Jesus is, is washing me clean. I know what that feels like. And, and it's, it's something that we should always be chasing after. To be clean, to be cleansed, to be covered with the blood. I was, I was a Christian as a kid. As a teenager, I got away from the Lord uh, greatly. I worked at it. And then went to the Navy and went to university, and I was, I was sitting in my dorm room, and I, and, and I remember very specifically the moment that I said, okay, Jesus, I'm tired of doing this my way. I, I'm, I'm bad at this thing. You say bad at what? Life and I'm tired of doing this my way, and I've got to do this your way, and, and I, I submitted and surrendered. Now, that submission and surrender, um, the, the real piece of it, for me, and my understanding, took about three months for me to really process this. But, the, but I know the moment that it started that I said, Jesus, forgive me. And I know what that felt like. I knew it cognitively. I would known it all my life cognitively. But, but here's the thing, is there has to be a moment when it's not just a thought process but it becomes a life application. Or for me, the way I perceived it was a life immersion. And I'm going completely into Christ. It's not my life anymore. It's His. To be forgiven. To be washed clean. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message that we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light. And there is no darkness in Him at all. This is... This is where we get a disconnect in our, in our church thinking. As we have so, I'm saying the church in a general sense, we have so much embraced sin. We used to have this mentality and we used to say this all the time. We love the sinner, but not the sin. God hates sin. God will not have anything to do with sin. God cannot even look upon sin. This is why you need the blood of Jesus. Because God will have nothing to do with sin, but he wants relationship with you. And so somewhere there has to be a way to fix this this chasm. But God's here, we're over here, and there has to be some way that we can get closer to God. We cannot do that when we are in sin. We have to have something, and that's the blood of Jesus Christ. But what's happened in the church thinking nowadays is we have... We, we we have changed what it means to love the sinner. See, when we used to say love the sinner, hate the sin, there was a there was is intuitively built into there. To love the sinner meant that first we recognize first we recognize we were sinners. Then we recognize there is sin. That sin attacks humanity, and that people have to be free from the sin. That's what loving the sinner was. Was we love them enough to care about their soul and to care for them to be free of sin. Not just pointing at them and saying, you're going to hell. This, this is, this is where we, 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 we got caught up in that a lot for a long time where we just pointed at people and you're going to hell. We didn't actually give them how to get out of it. Now we've gone so far the other direction that now we say loving the sinner is actually loving the sin. Embracing the sin. Because if we don't embrace their sin, then we're not really loving them. And guys, that's, that's horrible perversion of what love really is. I just had this conversation with somebody recently about her family members have very good friends that are, are in all kinds of different sin things going on in their life. They're, they're living with people, they're um, homosexual, all this other stuff. And he was saying to me, he was asking me, this, this generation, talking about younger generation, he said, it's almost like this stuff doesn't matter. This stuff doesn't matter. What we have done is we have got to a point where we're more interested in being friends with people regardless of if they're going to go to hell. That doesn't mean... See, to me, this is the most selfish context we can have. This is the epitome of selfishness. I want you to be my friend so that I get something or gain something from you, which is some kind of relationship, knowing that you are self-destructing, knowing that you are... are temporally destroying yourself and eternally destroying yourself, but I just desire my friendship with you and I don't want to mess that up or rock the boat with that, so I'm not going to say anything about the destructiveness of your existence. And we're just going to pretend like that doesn't exist. Somewhere there has to be not only love the sinner, but you've got to hate the sin that is destroying this person you care about. Destroying them. Somewhere we've got to care enough about people that we understand forgiveness is vital. It's necessary. Cleansing is necessary. He says, so we're lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We're not practicing the truth. How much darkness do we play around with on a regular basis? How much darkness do we let uh, mess with our lives? First, you have to establish, according to Scripture, what that darkness is, right? This is, this is where we, we, we play games with it. The church says, well, you know, it's not important that this is sin or this is sin or whatever. It's just important that we embrace each other. But the Bible is very clear. There is such a thing as sin. And, he's, and, and God spells it out in His Word, what this sin is. He, he, gives, he gives paragraphs of this is the things that will destroy your life. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Start there. There's, there's a list of things that are destroying us that's sin. I, I've heard so many people over the years that, that will say, well, homosexuality is not even mentioned in the New Testament. Did you, did, uh, it is. It's mentioned many times. In fact, God gets pretty specific. He says, let me explain to you what it is. A woman used to have normal sexual relationships, but now she's wanting sexual relationships with another woman. That's what Paul says. A woman is lying with another woman. And and that is the definition. I mean, you can't get more specific. If somebody says it's not in there, they're not reading it. So here's the thing. When does that stuff matter? See, we play around. Now you say, well, of course, we're all in. Yes, it matters. All right, but here's what I'm asking. How much will we allow our lives to go into that mentality without standing up against it or doing something about it? I'm saying even passively. Like we are so entertained. We will pay money to go to a movie to be entertained by that sin. Well, but I'm not not part of it. I'm not practicing it. Okay. Maybe I'm drawing a line too strong. I guess you've got to figure that out. What about, what about just nudity in a general sense? How much will we dabble in that before we say, what is, you say, well, I'm not, I'm not involved in pornography. I was watching an old movie the other night. Lynn and I love old westerns, and I was watching an old movie. And uh, the girl was getting into the um, stagecoach. And as she got in the stagecoach, her, her dress came up, about this far above her ankle. And all the guys stand there all looked down at her ankle and looked at each other and one guy whistled. This far above her ankle. And we've we've convinced ourselves in today's society, the stuff we're watching, it's not pornography. I think you need to define what pornography is then. I say naked body parts, pornography. That's what I say. But again, maybe I'm drawing the line too far over. I guess you've got to figure that out. Somewhere, darkness is encroaching and moving in and attacking us, and we're playing games with it and saying it doesn't matter. It's not that big of a deal. But see, it says here God is light. We are lying if we say we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. We're not practicing the truth. But if we're living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. There is a given in that statement. First, there is sin. There is such a thing as sin, and that it affects us, and we need to be clean. We need to be cleansed from this sin. That's, that's a given, the way he says this. Guys, I need to be cleaned from sin and this needs to happen regularly you need to be clean from sin it needs to happen regularly how often as often as sin is invading your existence and and, and you understand there's a there's a there's a given there that you're allowing it sin cannot attack you without you allowing it you cannot sin uh unknowingly you have to know that you are doing this now you say, well, you mean I could do something I'd, that's wrong and, 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 I, and I not know it? I, I believe you can do that. But for you to sin, you've got to know that you're sinning. You say, how do I do that? What if I don't know all the Bible? The Holy Spirit is telling you. Paul says that. Holy Spirit is always trying to tell you. It's called your conscience. Paul defines it that way. Guys, we know. We know what sin is. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves, not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. Sins is the action that's taking place. Wickedness is the direction. Wickedness is the worldview, is the, is the heart set, the mindset, the direction. He says he'll cleanse us and he will also um, cleanse us from this wickedness, this, this stuff around us, this this. this Darkness, it's always trying to invade our existence. If we claim that we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that His word has no place in our hearts. 1 Peter chapter 1 God the Father knew you and chose you long ago. Shouldn't that be enough reason right there to try to walk in holiness? Think about what I'm saying. I've, had, I've heard so many messages and books written over the years. Where people are trying to explain how, and it comes from the once saved, always saved mentality. That they're trying to explain, well, you don't always have to be repenting or whatever the case is. When do you just stand and walk in who you are and all this? Okay, but, but something, just the fact that God created me and chose me makes me at least want to try. At least, even if I'm already forgiven and everything's already taken care of, and I never have to worry about it again, just the fact that God wants a relationship with me gives me some desire to try to live more like Him and less like Satan. There should be some drive, some desire, some passion in our existence. I don't. I don't believe in an unconditional eternal security. I believe the condition for your eternal security is your heart. Do you love the Lord? That's the condition. Are you, do you want to serve him? That's the condition. Do you want to serve Satan? That's the condition. You decide who you're going to serve. You decide what direction you're going to walk. It doesn't mean perfection in God, but it definitely means heart direction. We can't say that we are trying to follow God if we're not trying to follow God. We can't say we belong to Christ if we do not belong to Christ. Are you in love with him? Are you following him? His spirit has made you holy. As a result of his spirit making you holy, as a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, in a, in a little bit here, we're going to take communion together. And anytime I take communion, anytime I'm involved with that in any setting, the first thing I always do is always repent. I always ask the Lord to forgive me wash me wash my mind my spirit my life clean me clean me completely now there's there's some scriptural reasons in 1 corinthians 11 i'm going to read from that in a little bit but not this part it talks about that if you if you take communion unworthily that you that people get sick and, and can even die from that and i believe that still applies today by the way i don't believe that god just wrote that that paul just wrote to to the church at corinth and it only applied to them it doesn't make sense i believe that applies to us now you say how because you're, you're cheapening, you're, you're not being serious about the, the redemption, physical healing redemption, spiritual soul redemption of what is being represented by communion. When you're, when you're taking that cheaply and, you're, and it's a joke to you, it doesn't mean anything, or it's just what you do because you're a religious person, you're cheapening it. And I don't believe God's okay with that. God's pretty serious about Jesus down on the cross. And Jesus was way serious about him dying on the cross. And he doesn't want anybody to cheapen that or to, to push it aside and make it something lighter or lesser. He's pretty serious about that. And so when he says, my body was broken for you to be healed, and you go, yeah, yeah, whatever, and you take communion... He says, wait a second, you just opened a spiritual door. I provided the path for you to, to for divine healing. I provided the path through my broken body on the cross. I provided the path. So the spiritual door is open and you step through it, but you're not serious about it. Guess what? Satan says, Thank you. Welcome to my domain. Welcome to where I live, which is hypocrisy and rebellion, selfishness and, and taking Jesus for granted. And you're specifically doing it in the arena of healing. Why do you think he says that's why people get sick and die? Because we're playing around. Guys, we're playing around with the blood of Jesus Christ. That he forgives us with this blood. He covers us and makes us right with God. And we cheapen our relationship with God by playing around with sin. And and then this communion thing doesn't mean anything is we should, we should always be serious first with Jesus, but obviously in the concept of communion. We don't believe in, in our church, we don't believe that communion is sacraments. In other words, they're not holy within themselves. We believe that they are representative. They're elements that represent something. and that, that, that So there is nothing holy about a little cracker and some grape juice. Nothing holy about it, okay? And, and there won't be anything holy about it. But when we take this, we are reminding ourselves of what is holy. And that's Jesus' cross and His forgiveness. And then He cleanses me and that is holy. That's supernatural. That's transcendent. And we do this to remind ourselves of something that happened 4,000 years ago. It is happening right now today, and that we are to proclaim this into the future, that it's going to continue happening. And someday, the person that gave his life for my forgiveness is going to come back and take us and marry us. And that's what we're proclaiming. It's then, it's now, it's the future, and this should be taken very seriously. So the first step of this, I want us to pray. And we're going to go to the next two but i want us to pray for each one of these that i can be cleansed and guys if, if you haven't prayed this or you haven't prayed this in a while you, you when you pray lord forgive me and clean me and cleanse me you should feel that physically emotionally spiritually you should know it's happening this is we are not we're not just cognitive people god has created all of us uh, our existence to work together And when you're praying to God, you have the ability, the opportunity to feel His presence, not just know His presence. You should feel forgiveness, not just know it. Not just embrace it as some thought process. But to say, I'm forgiven. I'm washed. I'm clean. Let's pray. Lord, we, we, we submit ourselves in this moment to You. That Jesus, I am... I am created in in your image. You you supernaturally gave me life so that I could live this life for you, and I don't always do that. And so Jesus asks you to forgive me. Wash me clean. Wash my mind out of all the stuff that I've put in there through my eyes, my ears. Lord, wash my soul out and let it be clean. All the junk that Satan tries to build up against me and build and build strongholds against me. Lord, that I've given him the material to build it with. Lord, forgive me. Wash me clean. Holy Spirit, let your let your your, your power move through this building. Convict every one of us in this room. Convict us that we are sinners and we need to be forgiven. In Jesus' name. And Jesus, I want your blood covering me, completely covering me and washing me clean. In the name of Jesus. The second thing that the blood of Jesus does, it also brings me into a relationship with God. It makes it right. We, we, you know, we always blame Adam and Eve, right? And, the, and then specifically, if you're a guy, it's easier to just blame Eve. But Eve messed this all up for everybody, right? Separated us from God. But here's something it was a revelation I had as a, as a kid. Eve may have started this, but I work pretty good at separating myself from God regularly. I always like to think, well, what if he wouldn't have eaten the fruit and he would have given me the opportunity to live in the garden? I love fruit. Right? You understand what I'm saying? To think somehow that you wouldn't have sinned, if, you, if that ever even possibly comes into your mind, just go over the couple days before that thought and see how well did you do that couple of days? The idea that, that, see, sin pushes God away from us, not because God doesn't want to be near us, but God's not going to interact with our sin. See, this is is one of the things about parenting and discipline that's important. This is why disciplining your child is such an important thing, because it sets the understanding in the child's mind of how God interacts with us. God is not going to deal with your sin, no matter how much you whine and cry and and throw a fit and be a baby about it. He is not going to deal with your sin. And he's not going to interact with you with your sin. Because he's holy and he's not going to do it. And you say, well, then how does that work? Well, it's because that his, the blood of Jesus covers me. And when God sees me, he sees me through the blood of his son, Jesus. And that brings me back into relationship with God. God will approach me with the, with the blood covering me. When I choose, this is why this idea of unconditional eternal security doesn't make sense. Because I can choose to step outside that blood covering any moment I want to. I can choose to grab onto something else and pull myself away from God. And I can pull myself toward this darkness or this sin or this evil or whatever it is. And I can choose that. And I had a discussion with a guy a couple years ago. He's like, yeah, but, that, but, but God's still going to cover No, I know what it is to choose to walk away from God. I know what it is. I'm saying this from experience. I know what it is to not be forgiven anymore. I know what it is to choose sin over relationship with God. I know what it is to willfully choose sin. Which Hebrews 10 says, you keep on sinning willfully and there's no longer forgiveness. Hebrews 10, 25. I know what that is. That I would desire something and I I will sell God out who get this something. Guys, when we get covered with the blood of Jesus, we can come back into that presence of God. See, this is the part about God that just confuses me. Is You know, we always ask the question, well, how could such a mean and and hateful God send people to hell and all this kind of stuff? And, And to me, the question is so flawed and messed up. The question really is, how can God keep forgiving us How does He keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on forgiving us of the same things over and over and over? It's called mercy and grace. And it makes no sense in my rational thinking. Oh, when I'm being selfish and when life is about me, I really want that. And I think I deserve it. But when when I humble myself just enough... To get tiny glimpse of Jesus, I realize that I deserve nothing but for him to destroy me. The way I treat him, I would not let anybody on the planet treat me that way. And I treat him this way. But see, the blood of Jesus brings me back into relationship. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. So, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. I've seen that boldly enter so perverted and twisted over the years by people that want stuff. I want things. I want material things. I want blessings. I want all this kind of stuff. And so we say we're going to go into the throne of God and we're going to demand from God stuff. Think about this. The Holy of Holies, which going to the throne of God is past the Holy of Holies. Holy of Holies was limited on this earth, limited place, right? Curtain, high priest, they would wrap... Uh, they would wrap a rope around the high priest and put a bunch of bells on him so that when he went into the Holy of Holies, would do, you know, one time a year, giving the sacrifice to God, all this stuff, as long as the bells kept ringing, which means he was still moving around, everything was good. But, but God said, if you come to this place and you haven't done the things that I've asked you, the cleansing and all the stuff that I've asked you to do, if you come into my presence and you're not, and you're not um, purified by the actions I told you to take, you're going to drop dead. Scripture says that. You say, well, God killed him? Just the holiness of God will kill us if He doesn't keep that from happening. Think about what I just said. The only reason we're all not dead right now is because God has kept us from being killed by His holiness. And the high priest steps in there and they tie a rope to Him. When the bells stop ringing, they get a little tug on the rope. I mean, this is my way of saying it. Like a fish, a little tug on the rope. See if the bells start moving again. If the bells don't move, they pulled his dead body out of there. Now, this scripture says that I can go past the Holy of Holies into the most holy place, the actual throne room of God. That already is in the definition of boldness. You understand? <clears throat> Actually stepping into the presence of God at that level, that takes Boldness, that takes a faith in God that He loves us and wants relationship and doesn't want to kill us. That's already boldness. So the idea, and I've heard preachers say this, the idea that you could step into the presence of God, look Him in the face and say, God, I want this, and you have to give it to me. I've heard preachers say that. You say, no, you haven't. Yes, his name's Kenneth. Kenneth. Both of them. No, well, you know, but this is the thing, guys. And I've, I've watched this for years. People demand stuff from God. The fact that God wants to is enough. He'll do it. He'll do it. You don't, don't demand anything from him. Think about your kids doing that for you. When my kids were that, I would have slapped them for that. You don't come tell me you better get it. Who do you think you are? And we do, and we treat God like this. Guys, don't do that. Just coming into his presence is bold. This is the king. This is the ruler. But here's the amazing other side of the coin: is he, he desires us to do this. He almost begs us to do this. Just let me be God. Just come into my presence. The only way you can do that is by the blood of Jesus Christ. We have this opportunity. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. That's me. I'm not Jewish. I'm an outsider. You were called uncircumcised heathens. I've never been called that. By the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. You understand that, that that Paul is desiring for us, and God wants from us a a circumcision of the heart. In fact, the reason that he had that, well, there was health reasons and stuff too, but the reason that he had the guys be circumcised, that is the the most... You get it? (laughs) Are you with me? And God said... I want you all the way to that extent. I want you completely. And and to me at that point, I'm all in with God. But then God was saying, but it's not because of the physical thing that you're doing. The reason that you're doing that is because you have made a heart agreement with me. That your heart is fastened upon me. And when you make that heart commitment, something like a physical circumcision becomes very minuscule in relationship. And Paul is saying, circumcise your heart. Let God do surgery on your heart. In those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. And you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. Isn't that describing us right now? Isn't that describing our planet? Our planet? I would say our country, but it's our whole planet. We're all caught up in this this fear and no hope and everything. And, and, And people, their entire life is about getting a shot that I would argue doesn't even work. And we're putting all of our hope in a vaccine worldwide. When do we say, okay, but... Isn't God kind of in charge of this whole thing? Isn't he God over this? You lived in this world without God and without hope, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him. How? Through the blood of Christ. It's the blood that brings you back into relationship. I desire that. I want relationship with God. Let's pray for that. God, we, we commit our life to you. But Lord, I want closeness with you. I want relationship. I want to know you, and I, and I want to serve you, and I want to be yours. Lord, I want to I crawl up under your feathers and let you cover me with your wings, and then your truth cover me, protect me. And I want to I hear your heartbeat, and I want to follow I want to follow your footsteps. I want your will to be over my life. I want your plan to be over my life. God, I don't want to do this my way. I want to do it your way. In Jesus' name. Lord, we want relationship. Lord, I say, just like David said, Holy Spirit, don't pass me by. Invade my life. With your love and your grace and your mercy. With your, your tenderness and your relationship. That, Lord, we so much want to be called friend by you. Consume us with you and cover us with your blood. In the name of Jesus. The last thing I put here... <clears throat> is that the blood of Jesus also provides rest for our souls. I don't think we think about this sometimes. You know, one of the biggest things that's running rampant, and this is um, horribly rampant in the military right now, is suicide. And and I'm not trying to oversimplify this, guys, but but this really is this simple. The reason that we, that people commit suicide is because they don't like their life more than they do like their life. So they get to a point where they they want to end this life because it's, they don't like it that much, right? Here's the simplification. Where the spirit of life is allowed to reign free, where the spirit of peace is allowed to be in charge, suicide will not be compatible there. The more we let the Holy Spirit get inside of us, And change things, and bring His peace, and bring His purpose, and bring His understanding of who Jesus is. The more we allow that to happen, the more He will chase out suicide and "I hate this life that God made" mentality. We we those it again. It seems overly simple, but it is true. This is this is. And I put this at the feet of the church to a great extent. We've got major chunks of the evangelical church that push away the things of the Holy Spirit, push away the gifts of the Spirit, push away praying in the Spirit. Number one thing you can do as a Christian is pray in tongues, pray in the Spirit. But we push that stuff away because we don't want it. And the gifts of the Spirit, word of knowledge, word uh, of discernment, understanding these things, the Holy Spirit is trying to show us Him and trying to show us us. But we push that away. We don't want it. We don't want the supernatural in our life. We don't want the Holy Spirit to be actively involved because we're worried or scared or we're concerned that people won't like it or whatever the case is. And it is the, it is the power of the universe. Yeah. Philippians 4 says that the, that the peace of God which goes beyond understanding will guard your hearts in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> we don't process this sometimes. It doesn't say Jesus will guard your hearts. You mind? It says the peace of God, the Holy Spirit, will guard your hearts in Christ Jesus. Jesus is not doing it, the Holy Spirit is doing it. But but we just push the Holy Spirit off and we pretend like He doesn't exist. And He's trying to bring us closer to God. He's trying to bring us, um, change our insecurities into securities in God. He's trying to change our doubts and our fears and our frustrations into boldness in Christ. And we push the Holy Spirit away and we embrace the fear and then we wonder why suicide rates go through the roof. We don't want the spirit of life that raised Jesus from the dead, quickening my mind and my body. So we push him off. Oh, we'll let the Holy Spirit do stuff, but only within our parameters and only the way we want Him to operate. But here's the thing. The Holy Spirit says stuff like that when He prays through you, you're not going to know what you're praying about. In other words, you don't get to be in charge. And the Holy Spirit wants to be in charge. But we resist it. He will bring peace into our souls the only way the blood of Jesus can do any of these things is through the Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Then Jesus said, come to me, all you are weary and carry heavy burdens. I'll give you rest. Some of you feel like that right now. Carrying a heavy burden. That's, that's the message that we got earlier. I, I agree with the Holy Spirit. Stop. It sounds simple, right? It is. He says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. And this is the, the I labored under this for years and years. I thought Christianity was difficult. In fact, I thought it was too difficult to do. And then I realized it's because I'm trying to, to do this. I'm trying to make it my Christianity. See, the yoke, you know, the yoke for the oxen, ox, wood, yoke, one ox, the other ox. Jesus says, if you'll yoke up with me, it will be light. It won't be a heavy burden. And here's the only way that I can process that. There's no way that you can pull. If, if, if there's two ox, you're one and Jesus is one. Jesus is, is massive, like the size of a, an aircraft carrier, and you're an ant yoked to him. So how can you pull in such a way to keep that balanced and, and even so that you will be pulling in unison. Here's what I realized. This is the visual picture that I had years ago. Is When, when Jesus puts a yoke on him and he says, Okay, I'm going to put it on you and we're going to do this together. He puts the yoke on me and I dangle from it. <laughs> really, seriously. My feet aren't touching the ground. I'm doing nothing. I'm not pushing, pulling. I'm doing nothing. And it's so light that it's my body weight that's pulling me down. That's it. It's not Christianity is not difficult if we will just get in with Jesus Christ. You're still going to go through stuff. You're still going to have difficult times, but if you're in Christ, then his peace, his power, his presence, it overwhelms all the stuff. But you got to get in with Jesus and stay in with Jesus and then you just kind of dangle along as he goes. And that's that's the visual for me. I want rest in my soul. How do I do that? I get in with him. Let him carry. Let him pull. Let him push. Whatever. And I just get in with him. I just hold on to him. Right? So I want us to finish this by taking communion together. So we've prayed for, <clears throat> we prayed for forgiveness, cleansing of sin. We've prayed for a relationship. And this is where we pray for the yoke mentality. In other words, Jesus, I'm going to walk with you in this. This there has to be a natural, and this is this has been taken out of the, of the message so much. But there has to be a natural next step that says if Jesus cleanses me and he brings me in a relationship, doesn't that demand something from me? Shouldn't there be something from me here? What is it? It's me. I I am the next step. Jesus, I want to serve you and I want to do this completely. I want to yoke up with you completely. Right? On the night when he was betrayed, Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks for it. Then he broke it into pieces and he said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord God, we, we ask you to bless this into our minds and our spirits and our lives right now. Jesus, you took all of the brutality of the cross so that I could be physically healed. So Lord, all across this room let us get this in our spirit and know this and believe this that I can be physically healed. So Lord, even as we're taking this together Lord, help to just heal people all through this room. Just heal us. We trust you with this. Thank you for your body. And thank you for your love and commitment to us. Let's take the bread. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, I, I pray for my back. Lord, you know how much my back's been hurting lately. And I pray for my back. You provided this healing. I just receive it right now. I am asking you boldly only because you have given me the ability to. Jesus, God we thank you for your blood we thank you for your forgiveness we thank you for for literally giving your life as it flowed out of your physical body it flowed across millions of people Lord we want it to flow across us right now let your blood cover us from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet to cover us. In Jesus' name. In the same way he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this and remember as me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, You are announcing the Lord's death until he comes. Let's take the cup together. Jesus, we thank you for your blood. (coughs) We thank you for your blood. So Lord, cover us. Every one of us in this room, cover us with your blood. And give us the opportunity this week, give us the opportunity to announce that you're coming to announce to people that they can be forgiven, that they can be clean, they can be free. Lord, help us to believe it, to live it, to announce it. Jesus, help us to walk in your blood. Help us to desire to serve you, to look more like you and less like the world, to say no to sin, to be clean. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before noon tomorrow, God's going to give you the opportunity to let somebody know Jesus loves them. Do the best you can. Tell somebody about Jesus and God will honor that in your life. It's a guarantee. So shake somebody's hand. Act like in front of their face that you like them. And uh, we will see you Wednesday night. uh, Continue with screw tape letters. Have a great rest of your afternoon.